Hey, welcome to the DeWeirdo Podcast. My name is Jeff DeWeird. Today, I got on a very special guest. I, I Over the moon. Comedian, uh, all-around amazing dude, Billy D. Washington. Uh, we had a great conversation. It was so fun, so awesome. Uh, comedy, life, everything. I, I really hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Billy, what's going on? Jeff, what's up, man? Not much. How you been? Good, dude. How about you? I'm pretty good. Can't complain. Good. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been thinking a lot lately about how, like, this, this whole quarantine thing has really kind of made my life better. I've squared away my entire house. You know, <laughs> like, it's it's kind of strange. How, how are you guys holding up? Oh, man, great. Same deal, you know. You get like you're like super motivated. You're in phase one of motivation during the first four days, and then you're in phase two of motivation where it's like you 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 want to do stuff, but then you want to mix a little bit of TV in. And then phase three is like it's uh, a few things around the house and mostly TV. Uh, I'm in around phase five right now. <laughs> Getting deep now. Yeah, dude. I'm just kind of sitting around, you know, looking at stuff. I've got so much done until I've gotten like uh, probably six months of stuff done in this month that I've been off. Yeah, that's just around the house, just just stuff that I wanted to do. And you can, and the the thing that's so cool about it is you can dedicate a day to everything that you want to do instead of putting pressure on yourself to do uh, everything in one day. You know, well, you know, I can cut that limb Thursday. (laughs) <laughs> I know it. How do you think this is going to affect people like in the long run? Not, not like some big synopsis or anything, but like, how do you, like, when do you think comedy's going to be back? Like I, I haven't stood on a stage since March 15th. Well, first of all, in terms of affecting people, like a lot of people are going to realize why people want to be around them or don't want to be around them. Like now, like since the break is shut off and we have to spend time with ourselves, we have to ask ourselves, like, is, do we really like ourselves? Like, the people on Facebook that are, that are my social media that are going crazy and they can't wait to get out and stuff, you know, those are people who, like, don't like spending time with themselves. True. And so if you don't like spending time with yourself, then, you know, how can you expect for people to want to spend time with you? Like, I enjoy my long, my long time, and I think this is the time for, for self-evaluation, and to answer your other question, it's a time for creativity. But the thing is, it's like, I don't know when we're coming back. I told one of my favorite comedy club owners in the world, Randy Butler, I was like, dude, if they did a show, if like they had to do like, like, okay, so today, you know, they haven't opened up the restaurants and bars. I don't know if they're going to make an acceptable comedy club or what, or what category, category they fall in. But I would do, I mean, if they would schedule shows for 10 people that you could start at like five o'clock and you do one like every hour and a half until like 11 midnight or whatever, I'd, I'd, I'd so do that. I love that. That's a creative solution to this thing. I like that. Like a little 10 people in, 
Yeah, go ahead. No, no, just people love intimate situations too, you know? Like, you know, you you've played at theaters and I'm sure you've sat and watched acts at theaters and like it's it's the distance is so much different than like a hyena's like just a 200 300 seater small room. It's so much more intimate. Well, and plus they have like the small lobbies and he has the the karaoke space in in Fort Worth. I mean, those are, he didn't even have to open the door, like the door for the, the main room, but just the, you know, just the, the inside, whatever, that bar area. Yeah, like, like the to, red to room. To do a show. Yeah, and to, you know, to advertise it and to do a show for 10 people, call it something clever, and let Thomas do an hour long show with an opener, a feature, and a headliner. You know, I'm just split it up, I don't know, 10, 15, uh, whatever, whatever it is, 30. That'd be a fun show, I think. Yeah, I agree. Have Have you ever experienced anything kind of like this in your career? Because you you've been in the game a little bit, so there had to have been well, something like nine eleven. Was nine eleven weird in comedy clubs, no, or did dude, people want to laugh yeah, no, and rush 9/11, out? Yeah, nine eleven, like that night. I mean, like September eleventh. I had a show that night because the headliner for the week couldn't come in because the airports were shut down. And I did a show that night for like 50 people. And it was one of the greatest shows of my career. And I don't know if you've ever seen me close my show, like playing the national anthem on my keyboard. But uh, I started doing that like on that night. And I did it probably for the next, I closed my shows with that for like the next 10 years. No joke. Where, where were you for that show? I was in Houston. I was at the Houston. last stop. Damn. Yeah, last stop in Houston. Whoa. Yeah. So in terms of seeing whatever this is, yes, I have. But people rebounded a lot more quickly. I don't know about, I'm sure it took New York a long time, a lot longer and the cities that were affected to rebound. But, you know, uh, places outside of their rebound, people were still talking about it, don't get me wrong. But, like, after that, there was this, there was this huge feeling of family in the country. And I, I think that's that. how it's going to be when everything is uh, said and done. You know, when the vaccine is found or whatever, I think when people get out, I don't think they're going to be a whole lot of handshakes. I think maybe the handshake is going to go away. And they're going to be a lot of hugs, man. Yeah. You're see people. I so hope there's, so. This going to be an elbow bump in business <laughs> scenarios or a hug. One of the two. Yeah, right. We're going to have to start asking that preliminary question. Hey, Billy, how you doing? Uh, elbow or straight on hug? What, uh, what kind of man yeah, are you? Yeah, straight on hug, man. <laughs> you know what? Because we miss each other, man. And that's a good I thing. I agree. It's a good thing. Yeah, I I I love that though. I I love like the the reaching out. You know, there there's there's been some great stuff that have come out of this. You know, and, and I just wonder if it it's obviously going to go back to business as usual at some point, right? That, that's I think that's right. how the world works. Even like we're talking about nine eleven, it's like whoa, that was so long ago. You know, people like forget about those kind of things over time. Like it, it's like a normal human mechanism, I think. But I just. I, I don't think this is going to take that long to rebound from. Uh, I'm being honest. Well, you know? I think, Jeff, I think there's going to be a new normal, though, because, like, this whole coronavirus is, is let the pressure off of America in a lot of different ways because, like, it's going to be an excuse for so many things that people were embarrassed about and people had no excuses for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if somebody, if somebody doesn't have a job, dude, they can, they can blame coronavirus, whether that was the cause of it or not. If somebody was whatever, if somebody wanted a change in their life and they didn't want to admit to the fact that they needed a change in their life, 
coronavirus is the perfect mechanism to say, you know what, because of this virus, it changed stuff up, and it's, and it's honorable. I mean, even with us, like, I wrote this thing that I haven't published yet, uh, but it's about comedians, and it's, 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 it's a little depressing, but there are comedians that want to be done with this business just because it hasn't really worked out the way they want it to work out, but they don't want to just outright quit because they don't want to look like, you know, they gave up or that they weren't funny enough. And, like, right now, like, this whole deal is a great opportunity for comedians who don't want to do it anymore to actually quit because they have a great excuse. They can say True. that the you gig... You just walk away. They can blame, yeah, they can blame it on gigs that never got booked. Well, people can say, yeah, well, because they can't... They, they, people, they canceled all my gigs. I couldn't make any money. I uh, started doing something else. I like that more. And that's it. Nobody's going to say, well, you know, what happened? You weren't funny anymore or whatever. But I just think that America needed, like, this is, they needed this truth. They needed coronavirus for a truth about themselves. And they needed it for a lie to, uh, to release some of the pressure for stuff that they didn't have an excuse for not wanting to do anymore. Like, people that are, you know, people that are in, 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 in you know, that were in the gray area in relationships, Hey man, if you quarantine with your wife or your girlfriend or whatever for two months, at the end of that two months, you you know, do we, are we gonna stay together, or you know, if, if coronavirus was the and, and it's a great it's a great sort of period, like a reconstruction period, sort of in relationships, in 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 aspirations, in dreams, and whatever, because. It's that thing that you can blame. You can blame everything on. Yeah, for sure. And anybody would take that as a reasonable thing. Like, oh, really? Coronavirus? Yeah, it got a lot of people. Okay, that's fair. It'd Dude, be simple. And plus, and plus, you know how people like to talk about themselves. Just for just if somebody didn't want to do comedy anymore, or just say somebody was a singer, and they stopped, you know, as a profession, they stopped pursuing it, and then somebody says, "Why did you stop?" And then they go, well, I stopped because coronavirus got all my gigs canceled, started doing something else and whatever. Well, okay, they're going to do well on that a little bit, but people like to talk about themselves. So they're going to tell their coronavirus story. They're going to go, hey, you know what? The same thing almost happened to me on my job. <laughs> they're going to tell their, and, it's, and they're going to be done. And it's going to be over. Yeah. The whole conversation, the whole, the whole thing is over. So, I mean, I don't know how many people are looking at it from that perspective, but coronavirus, this whole situation is going to be the biggest excuse for people to get away from whatever they want to get away from and 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 nobody is going to second guess it true i'm i'm actually a really big advocate on that like in other people's life before this i would always tell people kind of do what you want to do it's not nearly as hard as you think you got to work hard for a while you know like like you and me kind of had that same perspective when we talked last time uh you know when we met because of your cop background and my military background, it's like we did those right. hard jobs, and then you know we we earned like the our our self respect, right? And then right. from that, we were able to build and go. You know what? I think I'm just gonna do life the way I damn feel like doing it. You know, like, right? And that's right. Because, beautiful because, because you'll never lose yourself in in the madness of stand up because your foundation is already. You already have this firm, this firm foundation. You've already proved yourself in life or death situations. You are already held one of the most honorable positions, you know, that this country has to offer 
So it's like, what's the worst that can happen in stand-up? You know, whereas people that come in and this is their only thing, they don't have the type of foundation. So you're you're absolutely right. Now, if I wanted to quit stand-up, you know, big deal because I've done a bunch of stuff and, you know, this is my second career. No big deal. Yep. But I, I just think that the, the perspective was if somebody had, like, put all their eggs in his basket and had sacrificed all this stuff, this this period would be a great out for them and not just for stand up just basically basically for anything if if you know if you if, if you wanted to go into if your dad wanted you to go into the family business and then the family business is is not operating right now now is the time to desperately look for look for something else to do you know yeah. go to dad and say listen pops you know <laughs> yeah. Hey man, it ain't you working know, out. Man, I'm not coming back because <laughs> you know because of coronavirus. I found you know something else that I like. Heck so yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I hate you know if it wasn't for the debt, the, the death toll, you getting sick and people dying or whatever. It'd be a great time in the history of the world, man, for all the world leaders to get together and say, "Listen, for two months, we're just gonna shut everything down. You guys are gonna be forced to to, to, to spend more time with your families." You're going to be forced to spend more time outside. You're going to be forced to exercise more money. And you're going to be forced to look in the mirror and evaluate who you are as a human being and decide if you want to go back and put your and, and mix and, 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 and integrate your, reintegrate yourself into society. It's a great idea. But the problem is the rub is the, uh, the disease itself and what it's doing to people physically and, you know, the death and the sickness and, and whatever. But outside of that, and I know that's a big if, and I know that's a big qualifier, but outside of that, man, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a great time in the world. I agree. I, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. Like the, but, but do you think some of that comes from, like, your world perspective, like, that you've traveled around? Because I think I, I, I draw on a lot of that, just having lived abroad and everything, you know, I've done, uh, you know, culture-wise, like, I, I get how other cultures live and like, holy shit, there's a lot of people out there that their lives are way harder than even our lives right now. in current, like our lives during coronavirus right. are still like any, you know, so many countries, so many people around the world would be like, I'll still take that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like no problem. <laughs> yeah. An American who's quarantined right. shit. That sounds pretty good to me. You know, I'll, I'll take right. it. Right. Like, let me get no, the hell out of here. I, I literally couldn't say I couldn't say it better than that. So what I'll do, I will add to it. I'll say it's that plus, you know, having been in life and death situations, having you know, voluntarily saying, okay, I'm going to walk towards this danger instead of walking away from it, and I don't know if I'm going to come back with my life or not. So when you when you gain that perspective and when you can look at yourself and say, okay, I'm going to put my life on the line for something that I believe in and that I'm getting paid for, then you do look at the world and sort of in a different lens. You do look at, at people as sometimes you look at people's petty uh, uh, complaints as dude, you have no idea, right. you know? So, so yeah, man, it does. And, 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 and the stuff that I said earlier is not so much for me. I mean, I had to de decompress just because of the stress of everything that I was doing. And that was great. But just in terms of being like introspective, I didn't really have to dig that deep to figure out who I was because I'm an only child. And, you know, uh, uh, comedy is such a such an isolated thing and it's so nomadic until I kind of knew who I was. 
But these dudes with these eight to five jobs and, you know, spend time, you know, and, and now they have to. <laughs> yeah. It's like busy, busy, home. busy, come home, drink beer, go to sleep. It's like those guys, those yeah. rinse and repeat, you know, it's like, now it's like, Hey, Hey, Hey yeah. stud, you might yeah. have to look yeah. into who you actually are. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Like who yeah, are you absolutely. becoming? I, I love that though. So, I love different perspectives. Cause like, I, I remember, you know, uh, when we talked before, uh, you, you gave me a, a really good tip because I was telling you about how I, you know, never watch the news and I don't vote. And you were like, shit, you gotta vote. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do your through. civic service. And, and, you know, we started talking about it and I was like, shit, I've never like, I'd never considered those things. And it's just <laughs> like, it's so awesome how like somebody's perspective can open that shit up, you know? Well, uh, yeah, man. And even like with friends of mine, you know, you look at it like, okay. I mean, you have to look at yourself as a juror almost, you know, the, the, the verdict is, is on you. Like whatever happens, that's what it is. So, you know, if you're on trial for your life and one of the jurors says, you know what? I mean, if it's 10 people and you know, it's five to four and the 10th juror says, you know what? Man, I ain't gonna even vote. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that'd be cool though. That would be me. I'd be like, I don't even like any of this, dude. I'm not gonna vote. Yeah, I'm good. Then, you know, some, some some poor dude goes to death row and shit <laughs> because because you didn't because you didn't voice your you didn't do that obligation, man. That's what we're. I mean, constitutionally, it's one of the it's one of the few things that we have control of. I don't care what they do like with my vote. I don't vote for anybody else other than me. Like I'm not voting. Like when I vote for president, I don't know what happens to my vote after it leaves that chamber. I have no idea because, but my feelings on it, it, it they stop as soon as I leave that booth. It ain't got nothing to do with nobody else. So when people, when people tell me that I vote because, well, specifically when they say I don't vote because, you know, I vote, then kind of, are they going to, like my friends go, man, I'm not voting because they're going to do what they want to do anyway. Well, what does what what do they have to do with you? Right, what, what, right. What is, you know, that's hey man, you put that down. It's almost like you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go to Walmart because you know they gonna. I don't know what they deal with the money. Well, it's not about the money. It's about what you get back from it. <clears throat> so, yeah. but yeah, man. But you know, it's it's weird, man. It's it's this weird time in the country. It's this weird political time, and I know we can go off on politics all day long but it's just uh you know but voting i think is is super crucial no matter who you vote for i don't care who you vote for you vote for somebody and not for them but but for for you yeah i've always been the same way like when people are like i voted for this person or you know most people hide it it's all secret who they voted for which is always strange to me as well like come on like or they play it like uh like their nba teams or something you know like ah you voted for them you're garbage you know like just like like they were the deciding vote, right? Yeah. I, I'm, not gonna tell you, I'm not gonna tell you which way I went. I'm not gonna tell you. Like, hey, like, that would be me the first me. time I vote, though. If if my guy wins, I'm gonna be like, everybody, listen, it was me. Yeah. It was me. I was the one. I pushed it over, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's how it is, man. But yeah, I, I don't know why people are so secretive about it. But you know, it's it's one of those things. I look forward to it. You know, in terms of my research, bro, I don't even dig that deep anymore because the, the deep, the dig, the deeper you dig, the more frustrated you get with the whole process. So, hey, man, you know, nobody knows what what anybody does totally. It's like going to one of those. Uh, you ever go to the mall 
and you ask like somebody who works there a question and then they get all pissed off at you because you don't know the simple things that have to do with their job. Oh, for you know, sure. They're, they're like, yeah, you know, you're like, <laughs> Hey man, where can I find, where can I find, uh, you know, whatever, a uh, Levi's jeans. They get off as well. They're right there in the men's department. And you want to go, bitch, I didn't know where the men's department was. <laughs> Had I known where the men's department was, then I probably would have gone over there. So I'm asking you. And that's kind of, you know, that's sort of how it is. Yeah. How like, about toning down that attitude? Yeah. <laughs> first and foremost. Yeah. yeah, man. But we don't know what goes into their jobs. We True. don't know what goes into everybody's thought process, man. We are basically products of our parents and our environments and stuff. And like to argue politics on the surface with somebody is just ridiculous because you're not going to get past past what's superficial. You're not going to get past, you know, what's, like, right there. You know, I'm not going to have a – whoever you vote for, what, what am I going to – who am I to, like, dissuade you from voting for who you want to vote for in, 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 in a conversation? Dude, that's a whole, that's a whole history. Oh, for that's sure. That's a whole history of reasons. Right. That's a whole and, history and, of reasons. That you, and, like, what are you reading? You know, what, what sources yeah. is it coming from? Cause I, again, like I said, I, I still don't watch the news just because I don't like, it's not that I mistrust it like an asshole, but, but I kind of do, you know, I kind of do just mistrust the system. I, I don't know which news system to watch. Cause I remember a, wa- a long time ago, I told one of my friend's wives that I, uh, I've, I'd watched some news thing on, uh, you know, like I think it was Fox or something and holy shit, I got an earful. Like I got chewed out for watching Fox. I'm like, holy shit. I, it's like one of the basic <laughs> cable channels. You know what I'm saying? Like how, how yeah, can that yeah. be so corrupt? And, and like, yeah, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm big on, I'm big on NPR and I'm big on local news, like local news. They just give you the facts, man. They don't care. They gotta get, they got other shit to get with, get to in 30 minutes. They don't, they don't have time to have panel discussions on opinions and whatever. They got to talk about sports. They got to talk about the weather. They got to talk about, you know, uh, some new businesses opening up. They got their public, they got their public interest, their personal interest stories. So they're going to give you the facts, what it is, and, and, what, when, and, and you make your own determination based on it. It's not like, the, like back in the day, man, where there was just like five news sources. It was just like the, the basic network. There was like three, like NBC, CBS, and ABC, and that's what I grew up with. I grew up with, with, with Walter Cronkite and, you know, and Dan Rather. Those dudes, man. Bro, and whatever they said, you didn't question it. If, whatever they said, that's what it was. And so I miss I that. I truly miss that. Yeah. I wish I wish I could just erase like any knowledge of like, hey, there's because even potential corruption means like, why am I looking at this? Because then I'm going to come talk to you about it and go, hey, man, I saw this thing and it's crazy. And, and if you're intelligent about the subject, you could easily just be like, wow, no, this is false. That's false. You know, it's yeah. It's, and, but because the thing is, like innately, you're right, man. And because innately we all need stimuli. Like, we need to be stimulated. And the best way to get stimulated is relativity. If something is relative to you then and, and it's in the news, then you're stimulated by it. That's why, that's why like, the Black Lives Matter movement, what I think was, was so misunderstood, because, like, it stimulated minorities. Like, oh, shit, even if I had been pulled over, I mean, I know the, I was a cop. I know the way things work. But, you know, like, but for the dude that hadn't been, you know, involved in anything like that, he still feels empowered because it's something that's relative. It's like, you know, the Me Too movement. You know, women are empowered. Like, every woman that, that, that claims, like, something happened to her, yay, man, that's going to be, it's the truth to them because it stimulates them. It stimulates them to drive the truth. It stimulates them to argue because it's hard to argue with the math of it because nobody knows. 
and then and then the question goes, well, why would they make this up? But it's hypocritical because when it comes to any movement, so if you, when it comes to Me Too, you can't ask why would they make this up if you know within Black Lives Matter, you you like well you know these people are lying. You, you feel me? Absolutely. That's why when it comes to so when it comes to like the news and when it comes to movements and whatever, I kind of understand it. I mean, I, I process it uh, from different perspectives. I try to, I try to cut to the core of it. And plus, I've been in law enforcement. I mean, I was in law enforcement so long until. I look at every situation different, and I know that, like, cops are not monoliths. I mean, there aren't just, like, white dudes out there hunting down black people, but there are cops who are out there looking for black people. You know what I mean? Right. So There's some like, trying to be a cowboy, trying to, like, it's right. weird. There's, there's There was guys in Afghanistan, and this is kind of a sick thing to talk about, but it's the truth that, like, there were guys out there who wanted to kill people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's. Yeah. Kind of like a, you know, it, it, so so you can't say that that wouldn't be prevalent in police communities as well, which, you know, that's that's, whew, that's a whole nother thing. But like, I'll I know you know right. from experience that yeah. like pulling someone over is a sketchy ass damn thing. Like even just anyone, and if they start acting wonky, oh shit, you know, like yeah, I yeah. could only imagine. Well, and you know, it's weird, man, because you know people will ask me about, uh, you know, going from law enforcement to stand-up comedy, and I will tell them how the jobs are are so similar, like, are so parallel, because, you know, first of all, there's a, you know, I learned how to control the crowd. Like, you walk in, you know, you make sure that everybody knows that whatever you, whatever you are about to say is the most important thing that's being said in that room. And what, whichever direction you want them to go, that's the direction that they're going to go. I don't go in intimidated. I don't go in afraid. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it don't just like, just like in police work. But, uh, another parallel was, is like how the law provides the math for, for your behavior, whether good or bad, whereas like joke structure provides the math for certain material, whether it's good or bad. I give an example. You know, you have like two different types of, of comics. You have guys that are storytellers, and dudes that are storytellers, they can they can just make a story. They'll tell you a story from beginning to end, and this is the beginning of the story. Here's the middle of the story. Laugh, 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 and here's the end of the story. Wow, what a funny story! All right, that's cool, and if you can do that, that's great. But there is not a lot of math within just telling a story. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with just math telling a story. You can do it. But guys who like, like do ironies and and they do they do paradox, you know. I think that they have a little bit more leverage just in terms of from a performer's perspective because they have the math to back up their joke. Hey man, if a story's not working, you ain't got no math to back it up. You can't sit back and go, well, I can see how that could be funny. No, you're going, no, dude, that's just not a great story. Right. But when it comes to like. Well, when it comes to like 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 jokes that have like twists and turns, and again, when they have ironies in it, and 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 paradox and, and whatever, and the twists and whatever, even if the joke doesn't work, you uh you go, you know what? I see how that can be funny, and that's how I watch uh, uh like the specials, like the Netflix specials, like some of the stuff that doesn't make me doesn't, doesn't make me laugh. And I go, you know what? I can see I can see why somebody would laugh at that because I understand the math of a joke. Whereas some other stuff, like that's why I like somebody like 
Eliza Schlesinger and obviously Dave Chappelle because they're great at both. They're great storytellers, but they're great in integrating like like really complicated math into stories. I don't know if you saw a great example of that was uh, when when on Chappelle's last special. Uh, uh, no, it wasn't the last one. It was the one before last. No, no, it was the last one. Uh, 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 Kill him softly. When he says he wanted to, how good he is at comedy and how he wanted to do a joke about uh, he, what he just wanted to say. Then I kicked her in the, you know, yeah, but he, yeah. yeah, right, masterful. So then he goes on, so he goes on, and he gets into this story, right, about this lesbian and whatever, and then when you completely forget about it, that he's already set you up, he's already floated this right. thing out there that you completely forgot about because you're so engaged in the story, and then at the very end of this really funny story that could have ended right then, he says, "So I kicked her in the thing," and you're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, so even if that story was. Even if that story wasn't great, I mean, even if you didn't laugh at that story, the mass is there. Bro, that's a brilliant freaking callback. So even if I, even if I sit back and go, eh, you know, that wasn't that funny, which I didn't because it was hilarious. But even if I did, there's still some math to, like, you know, support and say this is why this is a le- legitimate piece of stand-up comedy because of this thing that sort of backs it up. And that's what the law is. For, for these dudes, man, to go out and and do this stuff, you know, to these kids, you know, and black men or whatever. It's not just black men, it's everybody, man. You know, you bad cop is a bad cop. I guarantee you, man, uh, 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 any cop that'll go out and, and, and shoot an unarmed uh, black man and go home and beat his wife. I, I, that's just what right. I believe. You're just unethical. Um, you have, you know, yeah, lack of Yeah, morals. totally, totally. But the problem is when something like that happens, the law is the mask that backs that up. They never couldn't randomly do it on the streets because they don't have anything to back them up. It's like telling a story. They can do it and get away with it. Okay, cool. I see why you did it. I see why you got away with it. Not guilty. Bam. But if you do it as a law enforcement officer, then there's math involved. Well, well, hold on a second. There's a statute that says, well, you know, whatever. There's contemporary. There's all these, all these, you know, there's the, the gut feeling, and, it, and and all that is admissible. So, you know. That's how these parallels work for me, the, the law enforcement versus the stand-up comedy. You know, you learn the math of the law enforcement, which is actually the actual law. And uh, for, for stand-up, man, the math is like, you know, the irony, you know, the, uh, the, the, the twist, that one hidden thing that you just spring on them. Because some dudes, we all do the punchline at the beginning and ride the punchline to a three-minute story, four-minute story. That's not how I do it. I'm not saying that I'm like, you know, one of the great comics that ever lived and whatever, but I have been working consistently for, you know, 30 years. But I can always hide a punchline until like the very last minute and then spring it on them. And that's my favorite type of stuff. My yeah, favorite for type sure. of humor is being able to hide that, hide that punchline. A guy like Paul, Paul Bargese is like so great and just like he's such a great writer. And so there's, there's bobbing and weaving, you know, inside of the story and, and, and the whole deal. But he's just like this gifted writer dude who really knows how to tell a story and he knows how to embrace, you know, the paradox and the irony. But if you can't do that, like, you know, I can tell a story, but my story's going to have a big twist at the end because I don't trust that they're just going to laugh at the story, you know, by itself. Can't For trust sure. It. Tr- I don't know because I don't know if I don't know if people are going to take the details that I think are funny. I don't know if they're going to think those details they're going to think those details are funny so i got to put a button on it just to make sure that this time that i spent telling this joke is well spent 
I don't know if I'm, I'm getting too. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, oh, come too, on. Too, not too, not too with far, me. I love it. I don't want to get like, the, the, the beaten path too much. No, please, please. There is no beaten path. We're, we're, we're nailing it out as we walk. Uh, but no, yeah. but, but yeah. I'm actually, you know, like the way I, I've always been a story comic. So, what, you know, right. I do that punchline, write it out. You know, I throw out this crazy premise and, you know, like right. the worst thing in the world, just like you're saying, is when that doesn't work and then shit, the rest of my time on stage is me telling you the story that you've already told me that you kind of don't like. So there's like, <laughs> there's some real issues there and that shit's so, like, right. I have to pay you a, a weird, awesome compliment that like your, uh, your Washington Post special, like I told you, I've been listening to it the past couple of days and it, that yeah. shit. It makes me want to quit comedy. I promise you, dude. No, I was dude, listening to it and I was like, dude, he's so you're so good with like the way you write jokes though, because they're they're not like you know crazy long jokes, but they are because they have like other jokes yeah. in, embedded in them, and it's you know, but but you're so good with that, just like punch, bang. It's just, it's so clean and so quick. It's a great turnover. I I I think it was just holy shit. I was listening to it and I was like, all right. <laughs> Either I got my work cut out for me, or let's go ahead and just lean into this podcast a little more. You know what I mean? Oh, no, dude. I mean, but it just comes with time. It comes with time. It comes with, uh, but thanks for saying that, too. Please. Uh, I really appreciate it. It comes with time. Well, and plus, it comes with a great crowd. I mean, like, I wouldn't have done my CD. I mean, I could have done that CD any place in the country, like 800 Pound Gorilla, uh, who recorded it. They're based out of Nashville. Like, I could have done it in Nashville. I could have done it. I mean, my two top locations were uh, Fort Worth and Denver. And if I couldn't have done it in Fort Worth, I'd have done it in Denver, and they would have gone anywhere. But, like, those crowds tend to be they, – they get diversity. Like, uh, Houston is sort of a uh, – I, mean, I love Houston, don't get me wrong. But Houston is, is sort of a, a prove-it-to-me town. Like, you come, they, they want you to really – you got to prove it. Austin, they love you. Like, audiences want you to love them back so much – like when somebody says they killed at an Austin comedy club, then it doesn't it doesn't resonate because because everybody kills there because the Aussie people are so people are so nice and they're so giving until they're like okay I'm going to be the best audience member ever. Well, Dallas is right between well the, the you know the the Metroplex is right between Houston and Dallas. There there are some people that come to the show you could tell there's like thirty percent. There, they just want you to they 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 see with their arms folded and they're like, I'm not gonna laugh. Do you make me laugh? Which I love. Then you have another thirty percent who's there and they they want you to like them. They're gonna laugh no matter what you say. And then the other thirty percent is just everything else. You know, they're just like these miscellaneous people. Some are coming for their first time. Some they don't care because they finger banging under the table. You know, it just it just yeah. <laughs> it's just what it is. Some are drunk. You know, everything fits in that miscellaneous thirty percent. So. But but first and foremost, that's why, you know, at least it sounds like that. But in terms of the material, man, once I figured out what works for me, that's what I went with. And it didn't work in terms of working for me. It didn't work for me uh, in terms of like uh, being able to attract this huge fan base, which is which is OK. What I what I love to be like, you know, doing Netflix specials and and touring and touring, uh, you know, 5000 seat theaters. Of course I would. But my writing style has positioned me like smack dab in the middle, like in the in the in the mainstream of the, the middle class of stand up comedy. You know, I'm not 
I'm that broke dude who's, who's who's scratching around, you know, doing open mics and one nighters and stuff, or you know, whatever. Uh, I'm not a millionaire dude, but I'm in a very comfortable part of the middle of that because I found a style, you know, that worked for me. And the, the thing is, I I had to experiment with so many other styles until I'm pretty good at those too. Like if I have to riff, I can riff. If I have to go like really dark. I can go really dark, but I like sort of being like right there in the middle and talking about the stuff that's sort of on the fringe and hiding that punchline with, with every joke that I do, man, I make sure that I squeeze everything out of it before I get to that piece. I mean, that one thing that's gonna, you know, kick people right square in the nuts. And and like, if you're, if you're a storyteller, there's always that, like if you write stories, if you write stories out, sometimes, you can look at the beginning of that story and go, hey, what can I add to the beginning of this story that's going to that's gonna make people, I mean, that's going to uh, uh, really resonate when I get to the end, even more so than it does already. No matter what the story is, no matter what story that you're telling in terms of a of a bit, oh, what, whatever the punchline is, you know, I, I don't care, I don't know what it is, you know, uh, whatever. The time you shot an owl, I don't know. The time you got attacked by a chicken, whatever you got attacked by a chicken or whatever. Wherever that joke starts, wherever that piece begins, like let that what let that be the, the the second sentence in the piece, and 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 ask yourself what can I put here in front of this that's gonna make the ending pop a little bit more, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever exactly. Is, like who who in here enjoys chicken or something, you know? I'm like yeah, we we all like well, chicken. Well, Everybody likes chicken. Well, hey, well, this chicken well, chased well, me one time. That, well, 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 not so much that. If 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 you if you got attacked by a chicken and it ended up with you being you know naked in the park, maybe that first sentence is, "Man, I can't go to parks anymore." <laughs> there right? you go. Yeah. You feel me? Yep. So then, and you talk about not going to parks anymore. Then you get into the bit. People forget about you can't go to parks anymore because the story is already funny. So you just like like bookending the bookend. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you put, you put, you put two more bookends. Hello. Hey, what's going on? I'm so sorry. My battery. Hey, no, it's all good, man. I, I didn't see your text, dude, because I was on the other, I was on the other line. Please, no, 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 no worries at all. My batteries ran out in my stupid recorder, and like at the last minute, and I had to rush out, go get batteries. I was like, please, I can't leave it just on, like, and you know, like yeah. awful. But hey, it, um. Uh, I'll go ahead and like just get it out of the way. Thank you seriously so much for doing it. I I I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you so much, dude. It was fun, and uh, if you ever want to do it again, uh, give me a call. Let's do it. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Yeah, man. All, All right. right bye. Okay, bye.